Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study, uh, coming to you from the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. And uh, this, is, uh, this is one of two uh, of the last Bible studies that will be done here in this particular room. Uh, we will be here again next week. Uh, that will be on the 15th, and then that will be our last Bible study in this room. We have been meeting in this room for eight years. So, uh, so anyway, it will be the, be the last one here, uh, the Rick and Bubba Show, uh, which is uh, my day job. Uh, that's, uh, we'll be moving our operations to a different location and Lord willing on the January the 5th, uh, we'll do that first Bible study, uh, for you from that location. And we'll start a brand new study. Uh, we'll start in the book of Genesis and that Genesis study will probably go on for minimum of one year. It'll probably be longer than that. So, uh, we'll walk through the entire book of Genesis starting on January the 5th, Lord willing. Uh, so make a note of that. Uh, and for those of you that may be listening to this today or watching the archive and you normally come to the studio, uh, be sure you reach out to me for the, the new address uh, for January the 5th. But next week, Bubba Collins, next week we will still be here. We will still be here next week. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so we'll all meet here next week. Uh, and there won't be as many chairs next week because they're going to start moving stuff over there. We'll, we'll maybe have this many. but uh, So be aware that um, – Next week, uh, we'll start uh, emptying this place out to be the last one. So a couple things. Let's go over this before we dive right in. Uh, if you want to know where you can go and see some man churches, now those of you that may be new, themanchurch.com, uh, we do a men's discipleship strategy. This Bible study at its foundation is a men's Bible study, even though I know a lot of women uh, watch it and listen to it. But in the room, it's just guys, and that's how it started uh, with the local church doing a men's Bible study. And then uh, had uh, Rich Wingo mention one day, don't you have a way to put this thing on the internet? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, why don't you? So, so we did. Uh, and now thousands of people are, are, are with us uh, all over the country and even in some cases around the world. So we thank you for being here. So if uh, man churches mean that there are going to be services, these are churches that are doing the men's discipleship strategy from the manchurch.com. And that does feature curriculum, but also features gatherings. And we have a, a team of speakers that goes out. I go out some, but we have a lot of other guys that go out. And here's a couple of them that will end the year. December the 11th, that's coming up uh, on Friday, Mark Garnett will be at West Mobile Church in Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. They're doing the strategy. They've already had a couple of man churches. Mark will be there for that. Uh, so if you'd like to join him, if you're down that way, please do. Uh, Mac Brunson, who is a pastor of Valleydale Church, that is my church, and, and uh, he's uh, joined our, our team to help with themanchurch.com. Uh, and he is a phenomenal teacher and, uh, and preacher. If you've never heard him, First Baptist, Opelika, Alabama, you get to hear Mac Brunson on December the 16th. Don't miss that. And then, of course, that uh, at, at First Baptist, Opelika, they'll be ending their second 40-week curriculum, and they'll be getting ready for the third one that comes out in 2022. If you're looking for some gift ideas or you just want to give yourself a gift or you want to get your group together, there's two men's conferences that we're sponsoring coming up in 2022. One of them will be February the 4th, Olive Baptist Church. Uh, there with Ted Trailer and the gang down in Pensacola, Florida. You can spend the weekend there. Friday night, it's just a one-nighter. Uh, we will have Coach Hugh Freeze from Liberty University will be giving his testimony. You know what he and his wife went through and uh, how the, the, they, they were living out what it looks like for your marriage to come under attack and for men to make decisions that, uh, uh, that are costly and how he and his wife worked through that incredible story. Uh, Hugh Freeze will be speaking there. Charles Billingsley will be leading worship, uh, and I'll be speaking. Uh, and also my wife Sherry will come in, and uh, she'll be our guest that night at, at, in one one little session to address the men uh, from a wife and a mother's point of view. 
uh, something unique we're doing on February the 4th. It's called the Man Event, and those tickets are on sale now. You can get those at themanchurch.com, burgessministries.com, or rickandbubba.com. Any of those will work for you. The Pursuit Men's Conference, it's our third year to do that. Uh, We'll be doing that at Dothan Civic Center in Dothan, Alabama, February 18th and 19th. Jonathan Evans will be speaking. Uh, Also, uh, Andy Blanks from themanchurch.com. I'll be speaking. And Charles Billingsley will lead worship that weekend as well. Those tickets are on sale. Find them at themanchurch.com or at burgessministries.com or rickandbubba.com, all under upcoming events. So make a note of these things, uh, and let's get started on today's Bible study. If you want to go ahead and turn where we are, or get it on your phone. We're continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to finish it today. Uh, we'll be in verses 35, and we'll be finishing up in verse 58. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to unpack your word. We are just so excited uh, to jump in, especially the good news that we hear today. Boy, we're going to hear some good news today. Uh, and uh, during, uh, during our times uh, that we're living in now where there's so much death, so much destruction, so much sickness, uh, that today you remind us of what Christ has done and uh, and what the future of those in Christ will be. Uh, but today we'll also be reminded of what the future will be for those that are not in Christ. Uh, so maybe if we're kind of kicking the tires on you, that today will be the day that uh, it uh, that we become redeemed uh, by you, the only name that we can be redeemed under. And that's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. So let's let's look at this. So if you're if you've missed the last couple of weeks. Uh, in chapter 15, uh, Paul is, is talking to the, the, the Greeks there that did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, also, he had to deal with this with the Sadducees over on the Jewish side. They didn't believe in the resurrection either. Uh, so Paul is saying, well, you, you, cannot, you can't throw out uh, the resurrection of the dead because if you're doing that, that means you think Jesus was not resurrected. And if Jesus wasn't resurrected, we're all doomed. Uh, that, that's basically, in a nutshell, what we've covered up to this point. Uh, and then, then last week, uh, Paul got got deeper on this. The first one was about the evidence of the resurrection of Christ. So if he's been resurrected, then certainly he can resurrect us. And he he made that clear when he you know, draw Lazarus out and others from the dead. But then last week, he, he talked more about uh, the, why this is important, because if this hasn't happened, then we're all doomed. Now what he's going to do is he's going to get more in more details, and he's going to talk to these Greeks in the church at Corinth who were saying they do not believe that the dead will be raised. They, they, they don't. And he's going to explain well, you, what you're not believing in. You don't, you don't have this right. And he's going to talk about this in great detail. And there's some verses in here that, uh, that I have uh, had the honor of, 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 of saying at, at funerals. And even today, um, uh, Adler is uh, Speedy's filling in for him here because Adler is at a funeral today where he's going to be singing amazing grace. And, uh, um, a young man that he called, uh, was almost like a brother to him has has died, and he's there today. I, I have another friend that's also speaking at another funeral today. Uh, I've I've been in the position where I was honored enough to do that, and and this is some of the stuff that I always go to. What Paul is saying because he's saying you have to understand, you know, Jesus has defeated our greatest foe, and that is our flesh and death. Uh, so, and and what the Greeks were saying is we don't believe that the human body can be resurrected. As a matter of fact, they didn't believe it was something to even be desired. You don't want that body back. And, and so Paul is saying, look, you, 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 are, you are confused. And he said the flaw in what you're seeing, and you're going to see him walking out in these verses, is you're, you're, trying to, you're talking about reconstruction. 
Jesus is not saying he's going to reconstruct this body. Thank goodness, the one I'm pointing to mine. That's not what he's doing. You're not believing this because you think he's just going to reconstruct the same body you have now. That's not what he's going to do. He said, you're confusing resurrection with reconstruction, and that's the flaw in your argument. And so then what he's going to do, because remember, Paul is a brilliant guy, and, and so he's going to say that, look, the Bible does not teach, and this is something maybe you need to know, the Bible does not teach that God is going to put together the pieces of our former bodies. That is not what the Bible says. Now, we'll get into the fact that will we recognize each other and all of that. Yeah, yes, we'll still be distinctly who we are. But as far as the body, the, the flesh, this is not going to be put back together. And and I know somewhere my wife is going, well, thank God for that. That uh, my husband's not going to look the way he's always. I, there's going to be a glorified body, uh, which uh, which those that have been redeemed will receive. So let's 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 unpack this. So he's going to start using some analogies, saying here's why that's flawed. And and if you believe this, even if you believe in the resurrection, you need to believe in the correct resurrection of the dead. Okay, and what 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 he's going to say right out of the gate, he said, let me use some analogies, and the first one he uses is seeds. Uh, he does that in verse 35 through 38. So listen, uh, listen to Paul talking about the resurrection body. He says, but some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And, you know, Paul, who sometimes just doesn't really pull any punches, you know, he says next, don't be an idiot. He said, that, what, what are you all talking about? Look at 36. He said, you foolish person. He said, uh, what, what, uh, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. He's talking about seeds. Look at 30, 37. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, uh, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or, or some other grain. But, but if, if God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body, he said, because, and then he goes and talks about what he says, for not all flesh is the same. But there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. I'm going to get into that. So the first thing that he is saying, and he does this again in verses 42 through 48, the seed analogy. Here's what he's saying. When you, how many of you? I don't know how many of you out there, how many of you in the room, how many in the room have ever planted anything? You you put a seed in the ground. So did the seed just come up? Did it look just like the seed? It didn't look anything like the seed. And and what had to happen for what came up out of the ground to come up? Seed had to what? Had to die. Okay, so what he's saying is the body that goes in the ground is a seed. It's not going to come back up and look just like it did when it went in the ground. Just like a seed doesn't come up. You, if you go out and you, you put a seed in the ground for some sort of, uh, you know, some kind of plant or whatever, the plant comes up, not the seed. And, and the plant doesn't look anything like the seed. So, uh, so he, and, of course, they use the analogy of weed a lot. He says, so when a seed dies, it is from the seed's death that it brings forth life. Usually, and this is the beautiful part, and this is the thing I know Sherry's excited about, usually if you've ever planted anything, what you put in the ground, what comes up is a lot more beautiful than what you put in the ground, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and he said the resurrected body is going to be much more beautiful than this fallen. Look, I'm 57, so I probably know it. Some of you are even older than me. You really know it. This thing is going away. It is deteriorating. It's looking rough. It's falling apart. And, and that's what Paul is saying. Well, yeah, that's, that's not what you're going to be stuck with. Uh, your resurrected body, see, because we're looking the way we're looking and we're falling away and we're, 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 we're losing muscle tone and we're dying because this body is falling because of the sin of Adam. And he's going to talk about that. So what the new Adam is going to do is say, I'm going to give you back a glorified body, one that never was corrupted by sin. 
And and so that's what he's saying. You guys are have no desire for the body you have now to be resurrected. That's okay because that's not what's going to happen. And if that's what you think, he says, you're 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 a fool. Uh, he says, if if not the resurrection, he said, if the it, it, he said if the resurrection offers no improvement, and he goes he goes, then why in the world would Jesus do what he did? He said because. The resurrection is not just going to put back together what it came to resurrect. Resurrection means it's going to be completely done away with, and something new is going to be there. Uh, so stay with me. He, he says the resurrection body completes the work of redemption, and then what does it do? We once had the image of Adam. Are you ready for this? Is anybody, this going to, I hope this fires you up. We once had the image of Adam, and then it fell. Now, because the new Adam has come and has completed and fulfilled all the law and has now been resurrected by the Holy Spirit that we now have access to, what we're going to have instead of taking on the image of Adam, we're going to take on the image of the Savior. And now if that doesn't fire anybody up, then, I I mean, something's going on. So this is what you have to understand, okay? Your earthly body, like right now as I'm talking to you, my hands hurt because they're full of arthritis, and they hurt, okay? So this body that I have that has fallen because of sin, my spirit's been resurrected, but my body hasn't. My spirit's been made new. My body's still falling apart, okay? And so what you have to understand about this earthly body in the image of of, of Adam, but here's the good news. You're not going to cease being who you are because your personality was made in the image of God. Your body is is, is is in the image of Adam, but who you are, your soul and your spirit, was made in the image of God. And so that's not going to change. It's just going to be given a glorified body to go on, to go along with its glorified self. We will recognize each other. We will know who we are. And Scripture has been clear about that uh, because of people recognizing themselves, recognizing people who are already dead. So we certainly will recognize uh, each other. We know that Jesus, when he came back in his resurrected body, we know he could go through walls. We know that he still, though, and this is a good part for us, he still asked for something to eat, though. I, I think he ate not because he needed it. I think he was ready to eat just because he wanted to enjoy it. Okay? So we're still going to eat, but uh, but remember, he said that he, said that he was more fle- like flesh and bone versus flesh and blood. And he was able to move through walls and, and all this, but they knew who he was. Uh, and, and so so that's the part. So the next thing he wants to take on is he says, first of all, I want to take on this seed analogy, but the next thing I want to take on, and that was in 39, is this flesh analogy. He says in verse 39, not uh, for not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another for birds, and another one for fish. So if God can make different types of bodies for humans, animals, birds, fish, why are you why are you having such a hard time believing that he can make a different kind of body for us? Why is that so hard to believe? You see it in creation. An animal's not like a human and a, and a and a bird's not like a fish. These are all different kinds of bodies. Why in the world do you think that he can't make a different kind of body for you? Uh when it, the resurrected body. So at the resurrection you're going to get a different kind of body. Now, I will say this for the pet, the, the the pet lovers out there. Let me tell you what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying that, that animals are going to take on a resurrected body. He's not, he is not putting humans and animals on the same level. Uh, if you, any of you that believe that humans and animals are on the same level, 
the first thing that happened at the fall of mankind, the first thing God did was kill a bunch of animals. Uh, that I mean, so that He could then, so He could then clothe the human beings, and then He started asking for what? For repentance of sin, for payment of sin, blood of animals, uh, and take your sin and put it on the animal, and then slaughter the animal. And then when they got when they when everybody got off the boat, what did he tell Noah? You can now eat these animals, and just drain the blood out of them. So you know he wouldn't say that about humans. So so humans and animals are not on the same level. And I and I would be extremely careful. Extreme nothing wrong with you loving your pet. There's nothing wrong with that. They're they're for you to enjoy. You should take care of them. They should never be abused. None of that. But be real real careful when we start saying that things on this earth, if they're not in heaven. The way they are on earth, then you know now you become Hank Williams Jr. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go, and that's apostasy and that's blasphemy. Okay, if you're sitting there saying that you don't want to go heaven, go to heaven because some yellow dog that you loved it might not be there, then you got problems. Then you are worshiping animals. You are they don't you don't have them in the right place because they're not going to get a resurrected body. Now, will there be a representation of the animal kingdom in the new heaven, new earth? Yeah, maybe. It looks like it, probably. But the, but, but the, the, the pet you have right now, when you buried it in the ground, is it going to come up out of the ground with a resurrected puppy? That's not going to happen. Animals and human beings are not made the same way. They, and they certainly, uh, animals do not bear the image of God. They're created by a God that is a creator, but they do not bear the image of God. They, 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 have, they have an awareness of who they are and all that. They do not have a spirit. And so that he's just using the analogy that if God can make different kinds of bodies here on earth, he can certainly do it uh, in, at the resurrection. So the next thing he's going to talk about is what is this heavenly body? Then if there's a difference, then what is it? So let's look at 40 and verse 41. So uh, he says, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for the stars differ uh, from the stars in glory. So now what, what is he saying here? Some of it we understand. Part of it's real straightforward. Heavenly bodies uh, and are, are not earthly bodies. They, they differ from one another in glory. And it, for, for just to, uh, as far as what he means by that, if you're going, as far as human beings are concerned, he says when you're looking at an earthly body and then when you see a heavenly body, with the, with the way humans see and the way we're allowed to see, you're going to see the difference. They're, they're not the same. So there is a difference, and God is going to give us a glorified body. Why? Because only a glorified body is suitable for heaven. That, 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 this sin nature, this, this sin flesh is not allowed in, into the presence of a holy God. Our spirit has been redeemed, but your flesh is still dying, and your flesh still gets sick, and your flesh still falls apart, and that old gut still hangs over. And, 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 you know, all, all, all these kind of problems, and, and you start getting wrinkles, and you start looking strange, and for some reason your ears get bigger. I don't know why. Uh, so, so anyway, this kind of stuff is going on. So heavenly bodies also, now remember this, heavenly bodies also appear to differ from each other. Not all will look the same, and this is what we're talking about, and this is one of the things the Scripture is extremely clear on. This, this, now, look, you want to be there. Got it. Be real careful with that dangerous theology. I want to do just enough to get to heaven. If you think that we're going to walk into heaven and the Apostle Paul and, and, uh, and Charles Spurgeon and, uh, you know, and George Whitfield 
are going to be walking around with the same body of, of the person who never did one thing for the kingdom? Scripture doesn't say that. The rewards will be quite different in heaven. There's degrees, degrees of rewards and crowns and heavenly bodies based on the way you lived your life after you were redeemed. It doesn't have anything to do with redemption. We're not earning salvation, but we are earning crowns, and we are earning treasures, and we are earning rewards in heaven, and not everybody's going to be rewarded the same. Jesus is very clear. He said, everybody will stand before me, and I will give and I will take away based on the things you did when you lived in the flesh. Jesus Christ did that. So uh, so now, does that mean that... Uh, you know, that we're earning that again, it's not about earning salvation, but if you're, if your goal in life, and I see this a lot, especially in men, if your goal in life is, I think I've done enough that I'm not going to go to hell when we die. We're going to talk about what happens to people when they, who, who, who will not get There's, there's also a place where everybody else, everybody going to live forever somewhere, somewhere. And Paul's going to remind you of those that are not redeemed before he's done in this chapter. He's telling you what's going to happen to the redeemed. But right before we leave, he's going to say now to the unredeemed, Everything I just said, you might want to. It, it's going to be a one eighty, but 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 this, this this kind of theology that you think I think I've got enough Jesus to keep me out of hell, and that's really all I want, and then I'm just going to live my life however I want to, and I think I've done enough to be redeemed. I'd be extremely careful with that theology. That's a dangerous, dangerous theology, because you you may be delusional. I have seen in my own life a time when I claim to be redeemed and then I've lived my life when I actually was redeemed and there's no comparison, not because of me, but because of him. When I truly experienced him, there were things that started happening in me that I had nothing to do with. And so I don't, I don't really think that there's someone that has truly experienced Christ that doesn't have some, some desire now to, go, to, to be sanctified and to, to go for a well done uh, I mean, I, I think about the Apostle Paul when he's talking to Timothy at the end of his life in 2 Timothy. And, you know, the Apostle Paul at one time was, was a 180 in the wrong direction. He even tells us uh, in 15, you know, we talked about uh, two weeks ago, that he shouldn't even be an apostle because of his persecution of the church. But he said, the grace that I've been given will not be in vain. And then we hear Paul at the end of his life to Timothy, and what does he say? I have run the race. I have fought the fight. I will receive. Uh, the crown of righteousness for my Lord and Savior. I, I, I'm going to get it. So, so I'm going to get a well done. I'm ready to die. I've done my thing. Uh, I love when he says in Acts uh, 20, 24, they didn't consider his life of any value if he has not done everything that God called him to do. He said it's of no value. He even got to the point that he said, I would, co- I would throw myself in hell to save my people if I could. And you think that you're going that, that the Apostle Paul and the guy that's on his dead, deathbed that hasn't done a thing his entire life and praise God he finally does say, I want to be saved, and he dies 30 minutes later, you think that guy's going to live the same way the Apostle Paul lives in heaven? That, that's, that ain't going to happen. Are we glad it happened? Will the person be redeemed? Yes. Will the person be in the presence of the Lord? Yes. Will the person get a glorified body? Yes. Paul says, but it won't look like his. It's, it's not going to look like Stephen's. So, so that's that's what he's talking about. Just as you see, he's using the analogy of the different planets. You know, they all they don't all light up the same way. Uh, and so he's talking about that, even though they're all there. So then, he, then he starts talking about that um, uh, that 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 we need to be reminded 
about this analogy. If we're, this is this is the thing that was the most convicting to me when I was studying it this week. Flip back over to First uh, Corinthians six. Flip back over to First Corinthians six because you may not remember us talking about this. First Corinthians six nine through fourteen. This is that list that Paul gives of those that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so what Paul is saying, as I point you to your heavenly glorified body that you will get at the resurrection, let me remind you that that should be a challenge to you and a reminder that be careful the things you do in the body you have now. So if, if, if maybe you should start living that the body you have now as a sacrifice to the Lord in light of the fact that you're going to be receiving a heavenly body. So it, let this be a reminder. Be careful what you do in the body you got now. And if you look in, in verse 9 uh, through 14, look what he says. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolater, nor the adulterer, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the, uh, the, the, the revelers, the swindlers. None of these will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And such were some of you, meaning you used to be this way. Remember us talking about this? But you were washed when you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved to anything. And I asked you to underline that twice. I hope you did. I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and he will also raise you up by his power. Don't forget about you. As you think about this heavenly body, you be real careful with the body you got right now, and and you live it as a sacrifice to God, because because He's going to raise you up just like He did Jesus, and you've got a new body coming. So He says, if you if you want if you want to be ready for the heavenly body, and you you you're going to be receiving the heavenly body, then you be real careful about what you're doing in the body right now. How about this? Glorify the body you have now, and that was extremely convicting to me. So the next thing that, uh, that Paul talks about, he says what? Look at 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, back to the seed analogy again, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Okay? What goes in the ground is perishable because this is what the Greeks were thinking. And, and I, I don't want to be insensitive because we all have loved ones who are in the ground, people we love dearly. But, but I got some news for you. If we were to unearth that body and open that casket, you don't want to see that. Okay? So Paul's saying what went in the ground is perishable, and if you don't believe that, go look at a body that's been in the ground. It's turning back into dust. Okay? Uh, matter of fact, Ted, uh, I was reading one of the commentaries, I can't remember if it was Waresby or John Phillips, that was saying that there was one famous pastor that was buried one time, and they went to unearth him because his family wanted to move him, and when they, when they got in there, they realized an apple tree, the roots had gone all the way into what he was buried in, and it basically taken his body for nutrients, and they were eating those apples off that tree, and really, in, in a roundabout way, they were eating, they were eating the nutrients that, that, that the old man had provided. So, so that's perishable, okay? And this is what he says in 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It went in the ground. It's, 
is dying and deteriorating because of what sin does. But when Jesus resurrects that body, it's going. It ain't going to. It's not going to come up perishable again, Greeks, Sadducees. It's not going to come up perishable again. It's going to come up imperishable. And he says, um, "I love this." And he says, "It, it was sown in weakness, our bodies. Don't you feel that? It was sown in weakness, but it'll be raised in glory." If I didn't fire you up at, at somebody who's been redeemed, when we're laying them to rest, you keep thinking, you know what I love? My wife says this all the time. This is not the way it ends. Don't think this is the end. Not not for the redeemed. Matter, matter of fact, I'm telling you, and I, I know some of you, it makes you uncomfortable because I certainly miss people when they go. I mean, you know, it's that selfish side of you, especially if you love them. But let me tell you this. When I'm at a funeral of, a, of someone who's redeemed, and I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's a redeemed person, I don't even get sad. I, I find myself kind of fired up for him. I, I'm, I'm like, man, this person is done with all this garbage. This person is now standing in the presence of the Lord, and they are going to receive their glorified body, and there's no more tears. There's no more sickness. There's no more. I mean, this is a, I find myself kind of celebrating a little bit for them if they lived, if they lived their life well. Now, when you go to those where nobody knows, now that's a whole different game. And then when you go to those that the only thing you can say, well, you know, I'm not the one to judge. Maybe something happened I don't know about. Because you try to cling to something. But deep down you think, now those are gloomy. Those are sad. Those are dark. Those are despair. But not when you're laying somebody down that just went down there perishable, what's going to be raised imperishable. And he says what? He says in 44, it, it is sown a, a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Underline that. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Hey, we put a natural body in the ground. That's, that's not it, but what's going to be raised is going to be spiritual. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, and this is that comparison to Adam and Jesus again. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's good. The first Adam became a, uh, uh, was just a, a living being. Oh, not this second Adam. A sec- the second Adam, Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. Adam was given life. Who did he get it from? The new Adam. Hey, he may have life, but I give life. Uh, it's one thing to receive life. It's another thing to be able to give life. And, uh, and that's what uh, the new Adam is telling us. And listen to this. 46, but it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, and the second man is from heaven. Think about that. That's why that body's going back to dust. Why? Because we're sons of Adam. But we have been redeemed to get that glorified body from who? The new Adam. And that's a game changer. And he says... um, and was the man of dust, so also those who are of the dust, as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are in heaven. He said, look, if you're, not, if you're unredeemed, when your body goes down, you're a man of dust, you'll be dust, that's what you'll be. He said, but let me tell you something, if they lay you down and you're now a man of heaven, then it's going to be a game changer. 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, man, this is good right here. So right now, walking around, even though we're redeemed because you can't see our spirit, our face, our flesh, we walk around wearing the mask of Adam. We look like Adam. 
He said, but let me tell you, when the resurrection takes place, when, when Jesus resurrects you, you won't have the image of Adam. You have the image of Jesus. Does that fire anybody up? I mean, that, that, I mean, if that doesn't give you hope today, if you're redeemed, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust like I'm bearing right now, that's not going to be my future. I have been redeemed. I shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, Jesus himself, in my glorified body. Wow. So then he goes on to say, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Somebody underline that. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Yes, it is, Paul. We shall not all sleep, meaning not everybody's going to be dead when Jesus comes back. Not everybody's going to be dead. Some of y'all are going to be here when he comes back. But let me say this. If you're watching right now or you're listening or you're in this room and, and I'm receiving it myself, one of two things is going to happen to every single person. You, 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 you. There's no exception. Nobody says, I think I'm out. I don't, those are not, I don't like either one of those choices. You don't have a choice. There's two things that's going to happen to you, and Paul's talking about it right here. You're going to die. Okay, you are going to die. Everybody does at some point. If Jesus hasn't come back by the time that old body wears out, you're going to lay down. Okay, so you will die. COVID may not get you, but you're still going to die. Okay, you know, you, you, you can live in fear of COVID all you want to, and you can get by it, and you about a 99% chance you will. Okay. But, but something's going to get you, okay? So you're going to die. That's one of the options. The other option is he talks about not everybody's going to sleep. Some of you are going to be here when Jesus returns. I may be here when Jesus returns. I don't know. I'm 57. Some of y'all got a better shot at that than I do. I don't know when he's coming back. I do know that I've been told the reason why he hasn't come back yet was really no other reason that he's just gracious. He's trying to give everybody the longest shot he can. Like we talked about when Noah built the ark. You think God couldn't have built that quicker than 120 years? Why do you think he took 120 years to do it? Grace. Somebody believe Noah. Believe what he says. Watch him build it for 120 years. And everybody who gets on that ark is going to be saved. What do you think is happening right now? The kingdom of heaven is being delayed. Why? The new heaven, the new earth, that's being delayed. Why? Grace. I mean, think of how many people you know right now, if Jesus came back today, they'd die and go to hell. He, 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 would, he would push them away with the goats into the eternal fire. How many people you know that would happen? Well, what are you waiting on? Because you know what? You may be thinking, well, I got time till Jesus comes back, but they may, die, they may die today. How many people did you not expect to die one day and got the call they were dead? <laughs> Too many times. Too many, I, I, I don't know what we're waiting on. But anyway, there should be some urgency to all this. This thing, have we got time? Who's, who told you that? So he said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. All he's saying there is, dead folks that have gone, that have gone to sleep, you're going to see them be raised in a glorified body. Not the body that went to ground. Guys, if, if he's going to be able to put back the people that are out in the bottom of the oceans everywhere, people that were blown up into smithereens, so he can't. Be, he's just not going to put back together that pair, the body that went in the ground or disappeared or was blown into pieces. You're going to see everybody who slept. They're going all. You're going to see them in an instant in a glorified body. Praise his holy name. And if you're here, you're going to go from your perishable body to your imperishable like that. That's how powerful he is. 
you realize he defeats all of his enemies at the end by simply speaking. It's not much of a war. It, do, it, it doesn't drag on. Okay? So so he, he can do these things relatively quick. He said, so for the perishable body, this is the key, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Why? You can't be ushered into the presence of holy God in this sinful body. That can't happen. This this can't be. This is it. You you don't have the past, and the the perishable body won't be let in. It, it must be the imperishable. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on puts on immortality. This is what I've read at funerals, man. Do you remember this, man? This is it. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. And if this doesn't excite you, I just don't know what I can do for you today. I'm trying, but I just don't know what I can do for you if you don't know this. This is from Isaiah 25, 8, if you want to write this down. Isaiah 25, 8, listen to this. And this is Isaiah looking ahead. Anybody excited yet? This is Isaiah looking ahead. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Defeated defeated and Isaiah could see it coming there's there's coming a day and here he comes here is that prophesied Messiah the final lamb of God and let me tell you one of the things he's going to do he's going to defeat earthly death forever he's going to defeat eternal death that body may go into the ground but if you're redeemed it will be raised imperishable and you will live for eternity if you're under the redemption of Jesus Christ and listen to what he says what Jesus did in 56. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Meaning that's what should have when when Satan did what he did, he did it following all the rules that were laid out by God. This is what God said. The sting of, of death is sin. Once sin entered here, now death is here. And the power of sin is in the law. But if you can't keep the law perfectly, then now you're going to die unless somebody does something. So he starts what? The sacrificial system. That's when you see that first animal get slaughtered, and then that sacrificial system works all the way to the final Lamb of God that says, we're done with that system. Here's the new covenant. I will now redeem those that are fallen in Adam because I'm the new Adam. I will now get them back into the proper relationship with my Holy Father because I'm going to come, and I'm going to resolve this chasm between a holy God and sinful man, and I'm going to put it back right again. And, oh, by the way, you're done with that body. Here's the glorified one. Somebody say amen. So uh, so now he says, but thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Anybody okay with that? Huh? So, So now let's think about what he's saying now. Think about what he's saying. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You, do you know what he's saying here? Hey, guys, do we believe this? Then what are you doing with it? You know, it reminds me of, do you remember we did the uh, study of First and Second Peter? Did anybody go with me? Most of you were with, with me on that. Do you remember when Peter starts talking about the end? And he's basically saying that, God's going to refine this thing by fire. And that really the words he's using, that every cell, every, the tiniest would just be 
I mean, it, it's just going to be it's just going to be vaporized, and everything's going to be destroyed in an instant for the refinement of the of you know those of you that are worried about global warming, it's coming, but it doesn't have anything to do with the combustion engine. Okay, but what he's saying is he's going to refine this thing uh, by fire, and th- and then Peter is talking about it, and really this is Paul's version of this. Now he's talking about redemption. Peter was talking about you know the end of the world. And what does Peter say? He would, and I'm paraphrasing to C student at Calhoun County. And he says, and in light of this, you think we'd live differently. In, in light of what I just said, and we know is going to happen, you think we'd live differently. So I, I want to take you to a couple of places here why, why this is important. Because those that are not redeemed, there is a different future. Okay. So first of all, turn with me with your Bible to Matthew 25, 41. And we're a little ahead of schedule, so we have time for this. Matthew 25, 41, because we have in church in here. So Matthew 25, 41, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Now, this is when Jesus is talking about the final judgment. Okay, this is Jesus. This is red letters. Okay, this is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he has just finished talking about uh, those that uh, will be redeemed. He's already talked about that. And he's talked about all the things that you see in those that are redeemed. But here's 41. Then I will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Verse 45, then I will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, you did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do that to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, but the righteous, I I enter them into eternal life, not eternal death. So that's what happens to the unredeemed. All right, let's look at 2 Thessalonians. Now let's go there. 2 Thessalonians, and we'll go to verse uh, chapter 1, verse 7. So, so look what we read in, in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 through 10. And Paul talks a lot about the end here and, and you know how we are called up into heaven with God later in the in the in the chapter, but I mean in the in the book. But look what he says here in chapter 1, verse 7. Now, again, this is what we have to remember. If we, we believe, if we believe all the things about those that are redeemed, we cannot forget what the opposite of that is, those that are unredeemed. In verse 7, he says, um, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Look at verse 9. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony is to you that believed. Now think about that. He's saying, look what he says about uh, those that keep portraying Jesus you know, as a hippie and all this. I want you to look at what he says here. By the way, the everybody beats me, spits on me. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a place to sleep. Uh, I came like uh, as a baby, uh, in 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 uh, you know uh, where a bunch of animals are, and there's manure everywhere. That's over. I'm so thankful that our God did that, but that's all over. 
Now we must prepare for when he returns, and he will not return in that same fashion. He's going to return glorified, and he's going to return as the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, look at that. He says he, he will come from heaven with his mighty angels, verse 8, and flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So that's not good. There's more. Uh, Turn with me to Revelation 20. Now, Revelation 20 is great news. My wife says this all the time because I know a lot of you say, when are we going to go through the Revelation? And we are. Uh, But as I said, we're going to start in January in Genesis because we can't truly understand the end if we don't really understand the beginning. So we're going to go through the beginning for as long as it takes, and then we'll get to the end, okay? So here's verse 20, uh, and, you know, we're looking over here at 21 because we know the new heaven and new earth and all that is is, is wonderful. But let's let's look at Revelation 20 and look at this is what – you, you, John is looking at this in verse 11 of chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great, small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Underline that. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone's name that was not written in the book of life, he threw in the lake of fire. So so if we believe the things about the redeemed, we have to also believe the things about the unredeemed. And you would think that would bring us some urgency especially people you interact with all the time. And you just don't want to, I guess you just, you know, I just want to keep getting along to get along. And, you know, one day I'm going to have that conversation. How long is, I mean, I don't have any problem with you earning the right to talk about it, but are you there yet? How many more lunches are you going to let them, y'all going to talk about off-color things and some woman y'all saw and, and you know, the ball game and and some, and, and a little, little crude joke in passing. How much longer do you actually say, hey, I need to have a, I need to have an important conversation with you. It's it's really important. It, it it's actually tied up in eternal life or eternal death. It's a really big conversation. And man, we've been friends a while. Can we just have that conversation? And I'm saying I'm having that conversation because I love you. And I'm just going to tell you what it's done for me. And and I and I know it'll do the same thing for you. At least if we do that. Remember Ezekiel, I believe it's in chapter 18. I'll paraphrase it. Look, if you tell people the truth and they reject you. Are they rejected? Your, their blood's not on your hands. But now if you knew it and you had an opportunity to tell them and you don't and they die, then their blood's on your hands because you knew and you didn't say anything. And, and, and so look at, look at 2 Corinthians because we're, we're probably not going to do 2 Corinthians, I don't think. So look at 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and this is Paul when he continues this conversation with his church. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is the part that, that really really hit me when I was summing up what to say about those that, that are not redeemed. So let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and let's go to verse 11. And this is really what I, talk, I told you about, just what like Peter said in 2 Peter. 
Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known, it is known to your conscience. What does he say? Therefore, knowing the fear and the terror of the judgment of the Lord, therefore, knowing that and knowing that's coming, Underline it. We persuade others. You know what he's saying? That's what motivates us. Because we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. See, this thing that, you know, hey, we have to agree to disagree and all this kind of stuff. Guys, we're not trying to, this this isn't politics. You're, You're not presenting your idea of the Constitution, how we should be taxed how we should handle foreign affairs. No, that's not what we're that's not the kind of discussions that we're talking about. Those things do not have eternal ramifications. No, what we're doing is we just read and we only went to four areas of the Bible by the way, there's more. We just read what's going to happen to people who are not redeemed. Now we just celebrated, praise God for that, what's going to happen to those that are redeemed. And that's incredibly good news. Oh, death, where's your sting? Resurrected body, glorification, presence of the Lord. Amen. But Paul goes on to say, but then there's those that are not redeemed. And then Scripture says, here's those that are not redeemed. And then Paul says in his second letter to to Corinth, or the second one we have in the Bible, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Are you persuading others? Is just is this just something you're just like, whew, I'm glad I'm good. But but I, I mean when you think about that vision, and I really don't know, but but when you hear Jesus using that analogy with Lazarus, not the one he raised from the dead, but the beggar. And you know, and you remember he and he looks down and he sees the, the wealthy guy in hell and he sees that chasm, but he can't get to him. And and they're hollering out to him, go tell our hey man, go tell my brothers. Remember that? Go tell my brothers. If I could just get Lazarus, who I never gave anything to and I disregarded, if I could just get him standing there in Abraham's bosom, if I could just get could you get him to dip his finger in some water and just reach across here and place it on my tongue? But the chasm was too big. And he begins to say, go tell my brothers. And Jesus says, your brothers had the prophets. Your brothers had the word of God. Your brothers have have been told who I am, and it didn't change them. Don't assume just because we go tell them it will change them. But this is the part, though, that you got to think about. He sure does. He sure does hope and wish somebody would tell him. He doesn't want them to experience what he's experienced. It's like a modern-day Scrooge story when O'Marley came back to him. Don't end up like this. So so the question is, if you don't want to be standing there and then you're thinking to yourself on that day of judgment, on the day that he returns, you start hearing them trumpets. 
And you're like, hey, it, here it is. And the age of grace has been turned off. And it's okay. You know, sometimes, and I do believe you'll be at peace over this, you try and you persuade and people don't respond. There's nothing you really do about that. We don't save anybody. But the thing I don't want is to think about that there were people that crossed my path and that I had influence over, and maybe they're going into eternal damnation as I go into eternal glory, and I don't know whether they were rejected the gospel or not because I never told them about it. I certainly don't want to. I don't want to die that way. I mean, I, I want to hit that tape going. Look, I tried to tell as many people as I could. I I, I lived it out. I I, I talked about it. Uh, if if you knew me, you knew where I stood on this. And the reason why you did is because that's my identity. I, I don't want anybody to ever have any kind of encounter with me of any amount of time, and somebody say, "Well, you know, now Burgess, he was a." He was a follower of Jesus. And the person said, really? He never brought that up. I, I, never, I never heard that. I didn't know that. That's, that's surprising. I, yeah, I was with him. You know, we, we worked together and we were on a trip together. He never even mentioned it. I, I, never, I never knew that about him. Never saw him pray. Never, never saw anything on his desk that indicated anything. Uh, we, we, you know, we had a lot of conversations. We talked about the game every Monday. We talked about what we'd seen over the weekend. Talked about hunting. Talked about fishing. Talked about our kids. Talk about business. So he was a follower of Jesus. And he never said anything to me about that. I, I didn't know that. Now, you may say, well, look, Rick, I mean, we don't save anybody. And you're right, we don't. We have nothing. But we have been told by our Lord and Savior that's redeemed us what we're supposed to be doing. No, we have been told that. And he said, if you love me, you do what I say. And one of the things he said is what? Persuade others. Make disciples. Especially in light of what you know. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the message. Uh, and may we take that and we apply it to our lives. And Lord, may, maybe today there's some things that we need to change. Maybe, maybe there's, um, during this time of year, <laughs> uh, you know you know how subtle Christmas can be. Uh, no, no, no opportunity to get in a conversation now. Um, maybe this is the time that we talk a, a little less about Santa and a little more about you. Uh, maybe we get into the conversations of why this is being celebrated. What is this all about? Those conversations are pretty easy right now. Uh, and, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, continue to convict us when we, uh, we're not doing what you asked us to do. And, and Lord, may we, may we take um, very serious the commandment to advance your gospel, to make disciples and to tell people who you are. And if nothing else, just tell them what you've done for us. Maybe there's somebody in the room here with us now, Lord, or maybe there's someone that's watching or listening that says, well, you know what? I happened to catch this Bible study, so I, I just heard the message of the gospel. I just heard what happens with the redeemed, and I just heard what happens to the unredeemed. And I think I would be in the unredeemed. And I want to do something about that. Okay. Well, if you do, I'll just tell you what Scripture says, and I'll tell you what I did is I repented of my sins, stopped justifying them, Turned to 180 for my sin, and I, and I turned to, to Jesus, and I left authority in myself, and I placed my authority in Jesus. And I just said, I can't change me, but you can, so I ask that you will. And I repent of my sins. I want, I want to be forgiven. And I was sincere about it. 
I, I, I was for the first time in my life, I wanted to know what it was like to be free from this sin because I knew Jesus was better. I believed he was. And you have been, Lord. If you've done that today or maybe the first time you've, you've ever meant it, you know, if you're in the room, just lift your eyes and let me see you. Just just lift it up. If, if, if not, if, if this is something that you've done, you know, watching this Bible study or listening to it, just, you know, reach out to me, uh, Rick uh, at BurgessMinistries.com. Rick at BurgessMinistries.com, and I'll be happy to walk with you. So, Lord, go with us as we step out of this room, and, and you be with us, Lord, as we, uh, as we go now out into the world representing you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you.